0: if you need a laugh here on your behalf
1: it's batmates are we fighting crime or just wasting time it's batmates Lunch boom crash kapow stream a download holy cow you can stop listening now to batmates because we're batmates
0: hello and welcome to batmates a podcast that believes in harvey dent My name is Becca, and the brighter the picture, the darker the negative.
1: My name is Josh, and Harvey, no. No.
0: (laughs) Maybe our favorite line ever from Batman the Animated Series.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's right up there with I Am The Night, I Am Vengeance, I Am The Night.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Harvey, no. It's beautiful. Look it up on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Just search YouTube Harvey, no. (laughs) And it'll come up. It's great.
1: We're doing Two-Face this episode.
0: Yeah, Two-Face. This is a Batman podcast all about villains, and we are an engaged couple, and we like Batman, and we like his villains. Uh, So we focus mostly on Silver Age villains and their Silver Age appearances, and this time we found a loophole. You didn't think we could do it, (laughs) but we did. Does Two-Face appear in the Silver Age? No. But we did find a comic that has Two-Face in it. Kind of. So you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna actually start out this week's episode with our new segment called Squad Goals. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Preparing us.
1: Do you want me to get like a clip of an air horn that we can play over
0: this? We could. Maybe we'll edit that in post.
1: Okay, okay. Here, we'll S- put it here. Okay.
0: Squad goals. <laughs> Uh, so this is a segment that is preparing us and our listeners for the upcoming Suicide Squad movie, which has a whole bunch of villains that no one has ever heard of, Mm -hmm. except for James Gunn himself.
1: (laughs) Uh. Today's is Weasel. Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, Weasel is a Firestorm villain. Ooh. So, uh, he first appeared in The Fury of Firestorm number 35 in 1985. He is a lonely college student at Stanford who gets the nickname Weasel from his fellow classmates. He becomes a professor at a university with a few of his former Stanford classmates. uh, And this includes Martin Stein, who is one half of Firestorm. Right. So for the uninitiated, or at least those who don't know much about the greater DC universe. Firestorm is composed of like a high school student and a physicist and the high school student is in control of the powers and the physicist is a uh, disembodied head and (laughs) his-
0: Very normal stuff.
1: Yeah, his powers include the ability to transmutate elements. So he has the ability to, like, rearrange the atomic structure of matter. Huh. He can not make it, like, heavier, but he can make it a different element. He's he's also, like, a fire elemental, too, of some sort.
0: Why doesn't he, like, turn all of his furniture into gold and be rich? Uh,
1: because, okay, if I had to guess, <laughs> it's because uh, his furniture... Its weight in gold would be actually like a small amount of gold. I mean, it would gold. still be a uh, like make you rich amount of gold, mm-hmm. but then he wouldn't have any furniture.
0: All right. <laughs> cool powers.
1: <laughs> yep. So that's who Firestorm is.
0: In Young Justice, doesn't he like talk to himself? He's always like, Professor. Blah, 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 yeah, blah,
1: well, blah. he talks to the Professor, which is like the floating head. Um, right. I think he's white in the 80s. Okay. <laughs> um, and they change his character later on. Um, probably like post-crisis or whatever. Okay. Um, so anyway, back to Weasel. Anyway, so yeah, he becomes a professor at a university with some of his former classmates. He got, gets it in his head that he's going to kill these former classmates because he views them as obstacles to getting tenure. Um, And he manages to brutally murder two of them, as well as a night watchman with his weasel costume that he built. So Mm. he's like a man in a costume that looks like a weasel, which I suppose he got, he like decided to do because he had the nickname weasel. Mm -hmm. And he like slashes their throats and stuff. Yikes. Um, He almost kills Martin Stein but Martin Stein initiates the Firestorm transformation and is able to, like, not be killed. Mm. Um, He's eventually caught and unmasked and sent to jail. Okay. So then later on, he is sent to, uh, or he's drafted into Task Force X, the Suicide Squad, Mm -hmm. where he, um, on a mission, kills, kills, I put that in quotation marks because it turns out later the thinker like, lived, but he, like, kills the Thinker, mm-hmm. um, which in turn causes Rick Flagg to kill him.
0: Mm. And the Thinker's also in the new Suicide Squad movie. Yes. So maybe that might even be, like, a plot point.
1: It's possible that they're going to adapt that? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Um, yeah, because I think uh, Rick Flagg, like, takes the Thinker's thinking cap, but his latent psychic energy of when he got killed is still there, so he uses that grief and, like, needs to kill the weasel. Hmm. Anyway, so Weasel dies, and uh, that is, I want to say, also still in the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long after. Um, and then he doesn't show up again until 2009, where he's in the Blackest Night storyline, and he's just, like, one of the bodies that gets reanimated by the Black Lanterns. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, He doesn't show up again until the New 52, where he's only seen in like three or four panels. And it's unclear whether or not he's a guy in a suit still, or if he's actually like a mutated, a man who's like mutated into a weasel-like figure.
0: Yeah. In the New 52, he's hanging out with like Cheetah, and she's with a bunch of other like... People who look like animals, who seem to have like either fused or mutated into animals. So I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> and the way that it does look like Sean Gunn is yeah. in the new movie, uh, he looks like a man who's been mutated into a weasel. It yeah. doesn't
1: look like a costume. So, so the, like the his appearance in the movie is going to be his first like, confirmed time that he's, like, a mutated man into a weasel. Unless it's just of,
0: a really good costume. <laughs> instead
1: of a guy in a costume. Yeah. No, because I think, like, the tongue moves and stuff, where he's, like, licking stuff in the trailer. Is he? Yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely a transformed human. Okay. In in the new Suicide Squad movie, but in the comics, he's only ever been a guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe in the new 52. Like I said, he's only in like three panels, so they don't really explain it.
0: Yeah, and Sean Gunn has um, like experience in being in like the mocap CGI suit. He's you know not only his character in um, in the Guardians of the Galaxies movies, where he's like one of the like guys who's on uh Yondu's team but oh. but he's also like the on set stand-in for rocket when they like l- are looking at rocket on set they're looking at like sean Gunn in a mocap suit oh interesting
1: yeah. mm-hmm. okay so is he on his knees uh because sure. rocket's like short they have to look down at him
0: yeah you know what i'm not sure i don't think i've ever seen any behind the scenes uh oh, okay. footage from guardians but probably okay yeah um that's it that's, that's it. it that's all I got on Weasel. Yeah,
1: he's uh like i said you know he shows up in the 80s for a few comics he's on the, he's in a suicide squad squad comic once where he gets killed he shows up once in the new 52 and then that's it we he hasn't been in rebirth as far as i can tell hasn't been shown like since then
0: yeah well we'll see we'll see if they uh play off any of the stuff with a thinker or we'll see if you know nepotism wins out and he gets to live through the whole movie <laughs> we'll see <laughs> <laughs> he's a great actor, by the way. I love Sean Gunn.
1: Okay, so that's the end of Squad Goals. Now that's let's the move. end of Squad Goals. Let's now move you... into Two-Face.
0: Two-Face. Now you know more about Suicide Squad characters. Um, all right, so we're going to start with Rogue Roundup um, because Harvey's backstory is pretty dense and also because like he's part of this comic, but he doesn't show up a whole lot for you to like really get to know much about him.
1: Unlike other villains we've done, this isn't like his first appearance in the comics. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it doesn't like explain his backstory in this comic or anything.
0: It does a little
1: bit. It does. It does. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I didn't talk too much about that. I mostly talked about, um, his history and his, uh,
1: They explain his gimmick in the comic. Yeah.
0: This is more about his history and his like important, um, like storylines. Uh, so I'm going to start by talking a little bit about Harvey's psychology. So uh, in Batman the Animated Series, Harvey's psychologist, a woman named Dr. B.M. Crest, explains that he suffers from what we would today call dissociative identity disorder, uh, formerly also known as multiple personality disorder. Uh, Patients with DID, as it's called, will switch between two or more distinct personalities, usually when triggered by something. The root of a patient's DID will often trace back to a trauma where the patient did not want to be present experiencing those emotions. So in order to protect themselves from the intense emotion, the patient creates a separate persona outside of themselves who instead experiences those intense emotions. For Harvey, this is his anger. As a child, he experienced anger so intense that he felt guilty and created this dissociative identity that he calls Big Bad Harv, who experiences the anger for him. Harvey carried this identity into his adulthood, and when he is triggered by his own anger, this more intense, violent identity emerges. As with patients in the real world, when Harvey takes control again, he has no memory of the actions of his second personality. Hmm. and. In my opinion, Batman the animated series does a really excellent job explaining the real-life roots of dissociative identity disorder. Um, things get a little more comic booky after Harvey's accident, as they tend to do. But I, I rewatched uh, that episode just to kind of re-familiarize myself with that particular backstory, and I really love the scene where uh, the, his psychologist kind of explains to him like why he's feeling this way, and you know, she kind of talks to him about. All you need to do is accept that anger is a natural part of your life and you can, you know, work to get rid of this dissociative persona who is, you know, controlling you and making you act this way that you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, about, you know, the whole having two faces thing. (laughs) Um, Most origins have Harvey's disfigurement be at the hands of mobster Sal Moroni throwing acid in his face. Mm -hmm. Um, This is actually referenced in the... Dark Night in an early scene where Harvey's just like being a lawyer with him and Rachel. He's uh, cross examining this guy on the stand and he has like a signed affidavit from the guy saying that Sal Moroni is the new head of the Falcone crime family. And he tries to cross examine the guy and he's like, you know, going back and forth with Sal Moroni. And you think that maybe he's going to get acid thrown in his face or something like that. But then the guy who's cross examining, you know, pulls a gun on him, which don't know how he got that in a courtroom, but whatever. <laughs> um, I think they pat down the witnesses. I'm pretty sure. If not, they should. Um, Uh, Or they have to get through a metal detector, don't they? Yeah, in order
1: to to get into a courthouse, you need to go through a metal detector.
0: Anywho, so he somehow brings in a gun, and (laughs) Harvey's able to just, like, grab it from his hands and, like, disassemble it really quickly. And then he's like, I was too quick for that.
1: Security in Chicago, Gotham is very low. Yeah,
0: no, not at all. I mean, Bruce gets in with a gun in uh, in the first movie. He's oh, about does he to, really? Yeah, he's about to kill. I think it's Falcone. It's either Falcone or Joe Chill. I need to rewatch that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has like a gun and he's about to kill. He's about to kill somebody, and then Rachel's like, "Bruce, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, i going to commit murder." <laughs> he's i going to commit murder. I guess I'll just war on all criminals forever. That's fine. Um, okay, so, Not forever,
1: until he gets tired, and then he goes to live in Paris or whatever. (laughs)
0: With Catwoman. Don't get me started. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, yeah, Harvey gets disfigured, usually by acid being thrown in his face. Um, if you want to go back and see a really great Harvey origin story, read The Long Halloween, which we referenced a couple episodes back. Um, that has a really, really great... Harvey Dent story that like shows much of him as being like just a regular guy and then his kind of transformation after he gets disfigured. It's a really, really great comic. Or go and watch uh, the Batman animated series, two part episode, Two-Face. Yeah,
1: Two-Face part one and part two. I believe the 10th and 11th episodes of the series. No, 17th and 18th. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I I looked it up and I had it. Nope. Wikipedia must be wrong then.
0: Maybe. Um, so the disfigurement really snaps what's left of Harvey's sanity, allowing him to spend all of his time in his violent two-faced persona with only brief glimpses of the Harvey the world used to know. Um, some notable story, notable storylines with Harvey Dent, um, involve, yeah,
1: we, we didn't even talk about why we we're covering Harvey Dent.
0: Oh, yeah. He's the, he's Gotham's uh, elected official.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a district attorney. <laughs> yeah. Which we didn't cover. We're yeah.
0: celebrating the inauguration this week by covering the only politician who is also a Batman villain. Yeah. <laughs> so, congrats to you, Harvey Dent. <laughs> anyway, so notable storylines in uh, Harvey's history. Um, he killed a man named Willis Todd, who was one of his henchmen who was, in fact, Jason Todd's father. Oh, interesting. Jason Todd, as you may remember, not a great relationship with either of his parents. His father grew up in Crime Alley, basically doing the same thing he did, stealing wheels off of cars. Mm -hmm. Um, Jason Todd
1: becomes second Robin.
0: Yes. Um, And Willis Todd worked for Harvey, double-crossed him, and then was murdered by Harvey
1: Dent. Geez. Wow. Um,
0: In a comic called No Man's Land, there's uh, kind of like a breakdown of... Like society in Gotham City following this massive earthquake. A
1: 7.9 magnitude earthquake. Yes. Which tears apart the city and I believe uh, like cuts off all the bridges too right. Mm -hmm. So there's no aid in and out and uh, I think it's like the president or or maybe it's like the mayor of Gotham or something is like no don't help them. It's like a lawless city anyway. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a political move.
0: So in No Man's Land, Two-Face kidnaps uh, Commissioner James Gordon and puts him on trial. Gordon actually demands to have Harvey Dent be his defense attorney, while Two-Face plays the role of his prosecutor. Oh, wow. So in this comic, Dent cross-examines Two-Face himself, um, and he actually ends up winning the case for Gordon. Gordon gets acquitted. So (laughs) there you have it. Harvey Dent is a better lawyer than Two-Face.
1: Oh, of course he is.
0: Um, Also in No Man's Land... Two-Face gets into a really interesting dynamic with Renee Montoya. Um, She kind of sees the humanity still left in him and he ends up falling in love with her. However, she rebuffs him and he then not only outs her as a lesbian, but also frames her for murder. Both really bad things to do to a person. But both at the same time, you
1: shouldn't. (laughs) Your bringing up of Renee Montoya reminds me that I have to issue a correction.
0: Oh, sure. Uh, About Harvey Bullock?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last episode, we were talking about Renee Montoya and Harvey Bullock. um, And Harvey Bullock is a character, I said was a character created for the animated series. He was actually a character before that. There's somewhat of a dispute about where what the character's origins are because there's a character named Lieutenant Bullock who wears a trench coat and appears in a 1974 comic, but he's only in that comic for like two panels. Um, his real debut like as Harvey Bullock is in a 1983 story where he's trying to sabotage Commissioner Gordon. Um, I believe it's for the mayor uh, by pretending to be clumsy. Despite the writer of that story... Um, saying that Harvey Bullock was his own idea. He seeds that the first appearance uh, was, and, and gives creation credit to Archie Goodwin, the writer of the comic from 74, because um, Doug Monick, the guy who wrote that comic in the 80s, considers Archie's widow to be a good friend. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Renee Montoya was created for the animated series and then showed up in the comics in the 90s after the animated series aired.
0: Yes. I really hope she continues to show up in the DC like movie universe. Yeah. I really liked her in Birds of Prey. I just love Rosie Perez. I think she's an excellent actress. And I really liked what she did with her being like, just this sort of like alcoholic who's like just totally disillusioned with like the police department in the city and is like I just need to be a superhero already and <laughs> just like let me join the Birds of Prey. I love her. I think she's great.
1: I think she was underutilized in uh, the Gotham television series and granted I only watched like the first two seasons but she is the special crimes unit or something in, yeah. in the Gotham TV series and she just sort of like serves as a love interest for for Gordon's wife Mm -hmm. because Gordon's wife is bisexual and she's just like there to tempt his wife and also like talk bad about regular police (laughs) it's not a great character
0: it's a character that brings down both lesbians and bisexuals (laughs) it's like playing off the worst stereotypes of like exactly like LGBT communities exactly okay so don't watch Gotham maybe
1: no don't watch Gotham
0: um alright so back to Harvey uh his face is reconstructed in the storyline Hush um, by Thomas Elliott, who is a doctor. Uh, and somehow this restores his sanity. Somehow. Um, however, not for long. <laughs> uh, because a year later, his Two-Face persona resurfaces, you know, drives Harvey mad and convinces him to redisfigure himself. So not only does he start committing crimes again, but he like... He makes himself look like Two-Face again. Mm. Undoes all of Thomas Elliot's hard work.
1: There's also, in the Dark Knight comic, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight Returns, Harvey undergoes surgery to restore the side of his face, um, like he does in the Hush comic. Mm-hmm. But in the Dark Knight Returns comic, he... Goes back to doing crimes and he says that both sides of his face match. And when you see like it from his perspective, he thinks that both sides are scarred now. Oh no. But even though, even though he's like actually cured and mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have the skin condition anymore, he, he thinks that he's like now all bad.
0: Harvey, no. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of like that better than, it happens a couple times throughout the comics where it's like, look, we fixed Harvey. He's good now. Yeah. And it it kind of, it, it does a disservice to both like people with mental illnesses and also people with like physical. Deformities. It's like a physical deformity doesn't make you a bad person.
1: And like <laughs> Well, I think in, in the Dark Knight Returns comic, it's also like, well, he's gone through his psychiatric care. Yeah. And part of that was we reconstructed his face.
0: It's just a weird it's a weird take. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> it has it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like the way, like with everything in The Dark Knight Returns, I like the way they do it. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Uh cool. So uh, Harvey is seen a couple of times in the movies. Um, he does appear in Batman '89, and he is played by Billy D. Williams. However, when Two Face does eventually become a character in that series of movies in Batman Forever, mm-hmm. right? Yep. He's not played by Billy D. Williams, which is really sad because Billy D. Williams initially wanted to play Harvey Dent because he wanted to play Two Face. Yeah, yeah. He, he does, however, get his come up in Slater because he voices uh, Two Face in the Batman Lego movie. Mm-hmm. So. Good job, Billy Dee Williams. We're happy for you. <laughs> um, it also
1: kind of like, it really sucks that they took a job away from like a black actor to yeah. give it to, to, to another guy, so to Tommy a white Lee guy. Jones. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Wow. And that movie does isn't that good.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I was gonna ask, what are your thoughts on Batman Forever? You you've probably have it more in your mind than I do. Yeah,
1: so I, I tried to watch it like last year at some point. I tried to watch it and I got maybe like a half hour in mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not watching this, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, I stopped watching it, which is, like, before Two-Face even shows up on screen, oh, I think. Good. it's It's all Jim Carrey being a nut job like he always is. I gotcha.
0: <laughs> well, all right. And then, of course, we have the... I just... V- I can't oh. believe
1: that they, like, replaced Keaton and they they took away... I mean, they took away everything that, that made the movies before that good. Yeah. I don't like Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> I really dislike Schumacher. Me too. Well, okay.
0: he's dead now, so... There you go. Okay. Okay. And um, then in uh, The Dark Knight, the 2008 movie, he's played by Aaron Eckert, who mm-hmm. is a wonderful actor, um, who plays both Harvey Dent and then later Two Face in the same movie. Wouldn't that mm-hmm. be funny if they recast him like halfway through the movie? <laughs> like, now he's played by Billy Dee Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey, you look different. <laughs> <laughs> I know, my face is all scarred up. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> um but no in all seriousness um the makeup in that movie looks so horrifying oh yeah it's it's hard to look at
1: it's perfect though i mean that's the way the two-face should look he should look like Mm he got acid thrown on his
0: face i remember watching that movie i was like 16 and i was like i cannot look at the screen i can't look at his like big eyeball just like rolling around (laughs) that's super weird too that his eye would still work
1: what do you mean? That
0: like half of his face was an acid and yet his eye still works. Yeah,
1: he's still got the muscles on the inside of the eye. I that's guess. what moves around the
0: eye, right? I guess so. It's, you'd think the is eye. It? Wait, 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 wait. Gone. Is it acid
1: in that movie or is it like fire? I, it's been a while.
0: I think it might be, I think it might be like burning oil.
1: Oh, Cause, oh that's right. Yeah, because he falls in the oil he barrels. He falls in the oil and yeah, then the yeah, fire yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. then Batman
0: gets to him and he's like, you're not Rachel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he throws him back in the fire. Just like that. Yeah,
0: I've seen that movie um yeah his performance is really great in that movie um i really like him in the dark knight ride which we ride every time we go to six flags
1: oh yeah his yeah. his little news conference that he gives yeah it's great yeah the it's a it's a mac rides wild mouse that they just built a building around and themed
0: yeah and sometimes all the effects are on
1: Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes most of the time they aren't
0: uh Here's the weird thing with Dark Knight, though. Um, He's kind of missing the underlying mental illness that Harvey seems to have in a lot of these different portrayals of him. Um, He's just like a normal, regular DA, happy, balanced life, in love. And then the Joker gets to him and he's like, Yeah, he's right. I should be crazy. Chaos (laughs) is great. I'm gonna do that. That'll show the Joker and everyone in Gotham City.
1: It doesn't... Yeah... uh... I, I like him. I like his performance. But like you said, it's just like a writing issue that they didn't give him that duality. Yeah. That he needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like him in that movie about uh, lobbying for cigarettes. Yeah. I thought he's, he's a good actor in that one Thank too. you for smoking. Yeah.
0: I haven't seen that movie, but I've heard great things. Yeah. So maybe I will. Um, all right. You want to get into the comic?
1: Yeah, I think we can. We're right. doing World's Finest number one seven three.
0: Yeah. Now was World's Finest was it was that always like a team up between Batman and Superman? Yep. Cool. Yes. Um, awesome. So World's Finest number one seven three was written by Jim Shooter. The penciler was Kurt Swan. The inker was George Klein, and the editor was Mort Weisinger.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. What year was this? This was sixty-eight, uh, I believe. Yep. Okay. It was February of 68 is mm-hmm. the is the cover date. Um, the the one thing I wanted to mention right off the bat is that you can tell that there's a difference between the art style, between this and the other comics that we've been reading. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the different pen, penciler, right? Because Sheldon Moldov is, is usually the penciler for yeah. like the Batman comics we read. Um, and because this is, what's his name? Something's, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Swan. Kurt Swan. Um, there's like more shading and stuff, mm-hmm. which, which gives it a different look. Uh, I just thought it was interesting to mention.
0: Yeah, it's a great art style. It is.
1: No, 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 I, I like it. I mean, most of the, the Batman comics from like the 70s onward look like this mm-hmm. with the with the extra shading and stuff.
0: Also, no shade to Bill Finger, but this comic is a lot less formulaic than a lot of the other ones that we've been reading.
1: But it's also super wild. It
0: is super wild. I do love it.
1: <laughs> Very sci-fi. It's called The Jekyll Hyde Heroes. Um, we get a we get a cover with uh, Batman slowly turning into Two Face and Superman slowly turning into this guy with an orange cape, who <laughs> we'll discuss later.
0: You know, Kralik, everybody's favorite Superman villain.
1: Yeah, Kralik. Kralik. the um, best, the
0: best and most well known one.
1: We open up on a lab outside Gotham City where a scientist prepares a vial of mind drugs mm. and injects a man tied to a chair. Um, I. I there's a good line from this where the scientist says, He's screaming. Excellent.
0: This is a way darker opening than, like, any other Silver Age comic that we've gone
1: through so far. This is towards the end of the Silver Age. So they're starting to get a little laxer with the comic book code. Yeah. Um, this is also, uh, four years after the art style change. What, what, what most people call the art style change where the editors changed. So, like, in 64 the editors changed and they were like, we gotta do, like, less goofy comics. Mm -hmm. Even though this is still, like, crazy. It's very goofy. (laughs) Um... Yeah. So he's he's delivering like a, a fear toxin almost, right? He yeah. gives this guy like a syringe full of something that makes him terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- after he he's done this, Batman and Superman suddenly burst through the wall, stopping the experiment.
0: And the comic the panel before that, um, he pulls out something all good scientists should have, a gun. <laughs>
1: I mean, he knows what he's doing is illegal.
0: I guess so. I was like, he's like, someone's coming. Because at first I saw that and I was like, oh, what is that? One of those like syringes that like is kind of shaped like a gun. I was like, nope, that's a gun. It's
1: just a regular real gun. (laughs) Batman knocks the gun out of his hand with the Batarang and uh, directs Superman to take the the man who is strapped to the chair to the hospital. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Superman has this line where he says, well, the, the scientist says, you're ruining my research. These were experiments to benefit science. And Superman says, research without conscience is treason to science. And I wonder if Superman is against animal testing. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's not of this world. He's not a human. Does he think, is he just against human testing?
1: Uh, I, I think it's more about the e- ethicalness of it.
0: Yeah, well, where does he draw the line?
1: <laughs> Who knows? I want to know. He's probably. I mean, he's he's a farm boy from Kansas. He probably hasn't given it that much thought.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> he's probably. Well, who know Do we really know what kind of farm the Kents have?
1: Oh, is it a nice dairy they, farm, or do they? They're not a dairy farm. They grow corn, don't they? Oh, okay. like he he grew up next to cornfields. Yeah. As far as I can tell, they don't have any livestock. Okay. The Kents. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get into that. <laughs>
1: Um, Batman and Superman chide this man uh, whose name is Dr. Aaron um, and Superman flies the victim away. Batman tells the doctor he'll be in jail, but the doctor has like a thought bubble. He doesn't think so. He thinks he'll break free, which apparently he does, Mm. which we'll Mm -hmm. see later. Um, Fast forward to a few days later the metropolis state fair is being held i have a question mark there yeah because metropolis is not a state
0: that's interesting <laughs> i don't know i don't know why it's a it's a metropolis state fair i guess they they want to still hold their cards close to the chest about what state metropolis is in yeah
1: and this so this is always weird to me because like metropolis <laughs> Is sometimes shown like in the Great Lakes area because it's closer to Kansas where Superman grew up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's shown on the East Coast. And I think in this comic specifically, it's like it is in the Batman v Superman movie where Gotham and Metropolis are sister cities that are only separated by like a bridge. Yeah. They're both East Coast cities that are like New York, but are super close to each other for some reason.
0: So they would be like Minneapolis and St. Paul.
1: Are those, like, connected, like, super closely? Aren't those
0: the twin cities, I think?
1: Uh, I don't know how close they are to each other, though. I mean, literally, Gotham and Metropolis, in some canons in some canons are like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Like you can drive a car across a bridge, get from Gotham to Metropolis, which is wild. It would I don't be think like, there's
0: any other cities like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be like if Newark and, and New York City were like right next to each other.
0: Well, you could think about it like this. I guess it depends what you would call a city. Cause you could technically think of like, Metropolis is like a regular city, like Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And Gotham is the rundown like piece of crap next to it, Camden. Camden. Yeah. yeah, no,
1: actually, that's that's more apt as yeah. to what it would be. So like Camden and and Philly. Okay, it, that makes a
0: lot more sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I think that Gotham is in New Jersey. I know sometimes they have them in like the New, the New York area, <laughs> but it's sort of ambiguously East Coast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, so the, the Metropolis State Fair.
0: It's a city with a lot of history and a lot of evil. Of course it's in New Jersey.
1: <laughs> of course it is. Uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, which is, the the state fair is being dedicated to Batman and Superman. Here's
0: where I had a question, because, yeah? okay, because we, we see this panel here with, um, Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane, and they're staring up at what is either two extremely lifelike statues of Superman and Batman, or... Or just Superman and Batman on some pedestals, just like chilling.
1: It's definitely statues because they're taller.
0: Oh, of the, like the, the perspective? Yeah,
1: perspective wise, <laughs> they're standing on these, on these like pedestals that are larger than like multiple people standing shoulder to shoulder.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so they're just large lifelike sculptures. Okay. But we get told that uh, the two, Batman and Superman, are going to be giving a presentation at the Hall of Villains which we are helpfully told uh, the proceeds for the admissions will go towards the state's orphanage fund, mm-hmm. which like, I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, do states have a fund specifically for orphanages?
0: Well, it's it it might just be like the, for
1: social services.
0: Yeah, it's going to like you know Head Start. It's going to like the unwed mothers' homes. <laughs> it's going to the vast and numerous orphanages that Gotham and Metropolis have. Was
1: this <laughs> was this more common back in the '60s when there were more state-run orphanages?
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, I had a question here, because Superman has this great line. Well, they're both talking about their Mm arch-nemeses, and Batman talks about the Joker, and Superman says, and Lex Luthor has been my arch-enemy since we were boys. Now, did Superman just reveal his secret identity as Clark Kent, or did Lex Luthor have multiple enemies as a boy? (laughs) (laughs) And he'd be like, hmm, which one of those was it?
1: (laughs) You think that there's people who are doing that reporting, like... We see later on in the comic that finding out these superheroes identities actually isn't all that hard.
0: Yeah. I guess so. It's it just weird to me though that he would tell a random crowd of people like, yeah just look into Lex's backstory and you'll see my real identity. We've been fighting for decades.
1: He is in the, what is that, Smallville television show as like a yeah. teenager. They're they're not friendly in high school. No.
0: And also Lex is bald mm-hmm. in high school.
1: Mm-hmm. Whatever. Skin condition.
0: Yeah. sure. <laughs> Alopecia. <laughs> uh,
1: we also get to mention a parasite here. Uh, there's also, uh, let's see, Catwoman. I don't know who that green guy on the right is.
0: John Jones.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's Martian Manhunter, though, because he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he is. This is the Hall of Villains. Okay, anyway, there's giving this presentation, and a very suspicious-looking man asks which of the two's villains they fear the most. Um, Batman answers at Two-Face because the coin flips that he uses to decide his crimes make him unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And Superman answers, Kralik the Conqueror, because he almost matches Superman in power and almost defeated the Man of Tomorrow in a fight. Mm. This character does not exist in any other comic.
0: You spent like a good 20 minutes trying to figure out what his first appearance was, and it's this.
1: It's this, because it's his only appearance. Mm -hmm. Kralik the Conqueror is not an actual Superman villain. Mm -hmm. Why did they use him? They could have used Zod. I don't know if Zod had been invented yet. Like, I don't know if... Because I'm not a Superman fan, and I don't know when his first appearance was, but I'm assuming he was in in the Superman comics. Zod or like Brainiac? Yeah, like his greatest villain his the one he most fears. And like Zod has all the things that Kralik the Conqueror is supposed to have, mm-hmm. which is power almost equal to him, uh, a, a love of, of close combat fighting. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, I don't understand. Uh, I don't know. They Maybe they were like, hmm, let's think about a really good Superman villain. And they couldn't think of any. <laughs> they really couldn't. Or even like Lex, but in like a mecha suit. Like they fought before like that, right?
1: I don't know if they had this overage yet, but yeah. definitely, yeah. In the comics, like in modern comics, they fight like that all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, here's my other thing: is Batman's greatest fear probability?
1: <laughs> well, he's he's got a very analytical mm-hmm. mind. He he follows leads and clues. So if there's no leads, he doesn't like chaos. Exactly because it's random. Mm-hmm. So you know that that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I I think it makes a lot of sense. The same thing with the Joker. You know, the Joker's all about chaos. Batman, like I said, he's got a very you know, analytical mind.
0: Yeah. I like the little tidbit that he says that um, he flips a coin to decide whether he'll keep his loot or give it to charity. (laughs) I would love to see a comic where that happens. And he's like, well, I really needed that money, but... I guess it's going to the Orphan Fund.
1: Yeah, we do get a little rundown of who Two-Face is because uh, this is his first appearance in 14 years. Mm-hmm. His last, like, his Golden Age appearance, his last Golden Age appearance was in 1954, and this is a 1968 comic. Yeah. So there's a, a very good chance that the kids reading this have no idea who this is, unless they're selling, like, reissues, you know, yeah. of those old Golden Age ones.
0: I guess we should also mention for maybe listeners who aren't super familiar with the character of Two-Face that he literally flips a coin to decide if he's going to be good or evil. And this is used in a number of different ways throughout the years. In this comic, uh, he's talking about how, like, you know, he'll decide whether to be good if it lands on, like, the unscarred side, or he'll decide to be evil if it lands on a scarred side. Yeah.
1: Um, and then in, in some... This happens in the movies and in, and in, in the animated series. Yeah. He's got Yeah. And, and the, the interesting thing about his coin is that it's a two-headed coin. Mm-hmm. It's like a gimmick. He makes his own luck. Exactly. It's a gimmick <laughs> coin. But the difference is that, like the the one side of it is scratched up, so you can tell which side is which. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some cases, the, the he has the coin on him when he gets turned in, like when he gets the acid thrown on him. Yeah. And the acid is the thing that scars the coin.
0: Yeah.
1: And then sometimes he just, it's just like, like scratches it he up scratches himself. it up himself. Yeah. yeah.
0: It depends. Uh. Yeah. So the coin that's an important part of your face. Hmm. <laughs> So, uh... <laughs> oh, and he always commits crimes. He's also obsessed with the number two. So he often robs Gotham's second national bank or any other place with, like, a two in the name. I was just reading a comic How yesterday. How come you didn't go
1: over this in Rogue I don't up. know.
0: I forgot. Because it's the least interesting about Two-Face. You forgot? It's the least interesting about Two-Face is that he's obsessed with the number two. It's a huge part of his character. That he, like... I, I, there was a comic I was just reading from Rebirth where Batman's trying to figure out where Two-Face is. And he's basically like... I just... I just like I'm keeping a watch on pretty much every address in Gotham that's got a two in front of it <laughs> he's just like giving up oh it's actually it's not Bruce though it's Thomas Wayne who's much lazier and a oh, worse Batman uh-huh. than his son uh-huh. interesting interesting
1: uh okay so this mysterious man who asks them who their their two f- most feared villains are he leaves uh somebody makes a comment of like why is he leaving so fast mm-hmm. um, someone
0: Jimmy Olsen. <laughs>
1: Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, it's Jimmy. Okay, uh, then Batman and Ro- uh, ba- sorry, Batman and and Superman do a product endorsement for Bat Cola and Super Cola.
0: I really wonder if Bat Cola tastes better than Riddler's Brew. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> do you think that you would rather put uh, Bat Cola or Riddler's Brew in your in flavor, flavor hole?
0: <laughs> I think I would rather put Super Cola in my flavor hole, yeah.
1: honestly. Do you think they taste differently or do you think it's like the same yes. cola with just different different labels?
0: Super Cola is obviously cherry flavored. You can tell just by looking at it.
1: What, because it has a red label?
0: Well, it's red. The whole thing is red.
1: The whole thing is red. I mean, cola itself is red.
0: Eh, no. What do cola, you mean, eh? Cola's brown. What do you mean, eh?
1: Not if you look at it under the right light. I guess not. Uh,
0: I bet Bat Cola is blueberry flavored and Super Cola is cherry Blueberry flavored? flavored? Yeah, blueberry flavored. Why
1: blueberries? Cause it's,
0: cause it's blue. You know what? It's bat flavored. It tastes like bats. <laughs> I
1: was gonna say yeah. It tastes like a, a cave. Yeah. It tastes like musk. It
0: Tastes like damp mag. What do they call them? Mm- Stalactites. Yeah, stalagmites. <laughs> it tastes like that. And then super cool. It tastes like kryptonite. <laughs> so put that in your flavor hole mm. and drink it. <laughs>
1: Uh, they do like a, they do like a, a photo op where Batman and Superman take a swig of this stuff and then the heroes rush off very quickly. <laughs> yep, yeah. I love this. <laughs> do you want to, do you want to say your piece?
0: No, cause it comes up later. Okay. They just both have, they both say they have urgent business and they run away as fast as they can. Like
1: before the photo shoot is over, before they even can say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Superman flies off to the Fortress of Solitude, and he puts on Kralik's replicas, clothes. He has like a wax figure of Kralik that he takes the clothes off of.
0: Okay. Um, Superman commissioned who to make these figures?
1: Madame Tussauds.
0: And why?
1: (laughs) To remember them by.
0: And why in the next panel, when he's undressed it, is it wearing underwear? (laughs)
1: That's true. A wax figure doesn't need underwear. No. <laughs> very strange. Life-size dolls that Superman plays with. It's very strange. Um, yeah. And then, so he puts on this, this, these clothes of, of Kralik. Mm-hmm. He flies to Metropolis where he physically changes into the villain Kralik. Um, this guy, what is he got? He's got blonde hair. He's old. Uh, a, a green suit. Uh, with, like, yellow... With a yellow cape. Yeah. Um, and then, similarly, Batman retrieves his trophies from Two-Face from the Batcave and drives the Batmobile out of the cave without his disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then turns into Two-Face. Hilariously, after he turns into Two-Face, he sees the Batmobile and is like, Batman must be near. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll I'll throw him off by committing crimes in Metropolis. <laughs>
0: It's, it's a reference to his dissociative identity disorder.
1: Mm. There you go. Well, that was another interesting thing, because this is called, like, the Jekyll Hyde Heroes, and I thought I read somewhere that Two-Face himself, like, the character, was created as, like, um, reference to Jekyll and Hyde. Really? Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: like, the creators of Two-Face, probably Bill Finger, said something like, you know, I was thinking of Jekyll and Hyde, mm. <laughs> the, the two, two identities, two personalities,
0: Yeah, I one mean,
1: good, one evil.
0: That makes perfect sense, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like knowing that now. Okay. Thank you.
1: Probably also something that should have made Continue. it into Rogue up.
0: I didn't look at the Golden Age stuff. <laughs> I was busy researching dissociative identity disorder. <laughs> um, I really like what I'm calling Harvey's alligator suit in oh, this yeah. comic. That it shows up, I think it shows up quite a lot in like old, like silver and gold age. Uh, Harvey Dent is this like half green suit
1: yeah it's just so ugly it's like a green checkered pattern and then the left is like a tan suit the left side is a tan suit the right side is a a green suit that's kind of like patched up
0: his tie is two different colors
1: yeah i mean he's got to commit to the bit right he's got
0: to commit to the bit
1: we that's something we say on this podcast all the time Mm -hmm. you gotta go you gotta fall into it
0: Mm -hmm. you gotta get a gimmick (laughs)
1: He also mentions, Two-Face mentions the crime, what is it called? The crime syndicate? The intercrime, sorry, yeah, intercrime, which is not one of the multiple crime syndicates that appears in the DC universe. At first, I thought it was intergang, but that's like a different group. They're uh, associated with like apocalypse or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever.
0: Don't talk about that. I'll fall asleep.
1: Okay. <laughs> Uh, then we, we do like a, meanwhile, uh, the Dr. Aaron, who apparently has gotten out of jail. We don't see how or why.
0: No jail can hold him.
1: Okay. He's
0: a super genius villain.
1: Uh, he, <laughs> he gloats, just walked out. <laughs> he gloats and gives like a sci-fi mumbo jumbo explanation, uh, that the psych distorter chemicals and hyper hormones are working mm-hmm. that he slipped into the cola that they drank. <clears throat> so he was like behind the scenes. Bottled that cola after he slipped them in. Yeah. He had to get past security. There's a lot of, like, not explaining of how things went down here.
0: Yeah. You gotta <laughs> kind of fill in the blanks yourself.
1: Um, and then we do another, like, flash to Kralik. Super- Superman as Kralik. Um, toppling a building and asking for a challenge with Superman. Mm. And then Two-Faced... Who was able to put together, hired help, and procure a tank quite quickly.
0: He's got connections.
1: Uh, Is robbing the Second Street Jewelers with a double-walled vault with a two-barreled tank.
0: He's ready. He's ready to get that $2 million.
1: (laughs) Uh, and then <laughs> we have, uh, a very sweaty police officer on the payphone, which explains to his chief of police the situation, saying that the National Guard won't be enough to stop the, 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 two, uh, and that they'll, they'd likely even need the army to slow them down. Did you have anything to say, anything else to say about these, these no, panels? No, not really. Okay. Uh, Two-Face then moves on to the second national bank of Metropolis, After consulting the coin, uh, which comes up face, scarred face up, uh, he plans to blast through the wall, uh, which he doesn't need to do because Kralik bursts through, threatening Two-Face, and the two get into, uh, you know, an exchange of words. The rear of the tank opens up, (laughs) revealing that there's a giant, unbreakable, in quotes, unbreakable, rocket powered fist Mm -hmm. which grabs Kralik and flies into the sky.
0: I gotta say I don't feel like the real Two-Face would be so fearless. I feel like Batman makes a better Two-Face than Harvey Dent.
1: Yeah you think he's got more
0: uh got more gusto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah he's ready to fight. He's like, Which, oh, you think you, you have the powers of Superman? I will literally defeat you.
1: This, yeah, he, he says that this fist was also created by, like, the scientists at Intercrime to be able to capture Superman. Um, <laughs> the, the fist doesn't work, though, because after it gets into the sky, Kralik bursts it open, breaks f- free, uh, but then immediately flies away. And Two-Face also leaves in a hurry, mm-hmm. which leaves the, uh, like, stunned denizens of Metropolis being like, why did they leave so quickly? I don't know. I, I guess, like, I, I guess we should just be glad that they're gone. Yeah. Um, I love
0: it, but I also love that nobody's like, "Damn, that was weird." Where was Superman? <laughs> Isn't he usually around? Well, that's
1: not true because we do see later on with this this reporter. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So after they change back, uh, Superman and Batman, the the two revisit Metropolis and witness the aftermath of their rampages. And there's a there's a news reporter there who's talking about like the the amount of damage that was done. But he editorializes a little bit in his newscast. Uh, he he says that uh, the world's finest were hiding from their greatest feared villains mm. because, like, they have them on camera. I guess saying like, you know, Two faces is my greatest fear. Kralik is my greatest feared villain. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> and then like these two show up, and then Batman and Superman are nowhere to be seen. So he's like, mm, must they must have been hiding?
0: Yeah, <laughs> they must have been too scared. Where were you? Too scared to face, two face.
1: Fake news.
0: Fake news, sad.
1: Editorializing. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. I can't believe the news media would smear them like this.
0: So so unfair.
1: <laughs> unfair. Uh, yeah, and then we get a flash to Dr. Aaron again, who's again gloating. Um, the two heroes meet in the Batcave, where over coffee, they explain the situation that happened to Robin. Robin wasn't present because he was on a mission with the Titans. And, uh, confirms, Batman confirms to Robin that Harvey Dent is still in jail. Mm -hmm. So they're like, not sure how this could happen because Harvey Dent was locked up the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then all in one panel, there's one panel here where Robin basically figures out what's happening. Uh, Batman talks about how good Alfred's coffee is (laughs) and Superman flies away.
0: (laughs) The two both rush off as they did in the last scene. Uh Uh-huh. As though they have some urgent bathroom business.
1: Yeah, like, and I
0: just really love that
1: loose bowels.
0: <laughs> and Robin's like, Superman's leaving. Do something, Batman. And he says, No, I have to leave too. <laughs> I have to leave too. After drinking coffee, and you know what? I relate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get the same way with too much coffee.
0: Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go turn into your nemesis. You gotta,
1: you gotta take care of business. Yeah. yeah? <laughs>
0: Okay I, I love what happens next
1: <laughs> yeah so Robin like follows Batman because he's like, I can't follow Superman He follows Batman he witnesses Batman changing into two faces costume and tails him. however, he is quickly apprehended by Dr. Aaron via a blow to the head with a with a Billy club or like that little club that you use to kill fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and also during this panel, Doctor Aaron explains that he was able to like spike the Batcave's water mm. because he spent a lot of resources trying to figure out where the Batcave was. Yeah, which he successfully did somehow.
0: So now he knows their secret identities.
1: Exactly, he knows their secret identities. He knows where the Batcave is. Again, not shown how he did this, how he figured it out. He's a genius. What sort of what sort of resources he had to expend?
0: Calm down. He's a
1: genius. <laughs> <sighs> okay uh yeah so kralik then well, superman changed into kralik kralik begins fighting two-face again mm-hmm. this time in gotham city um
0: except it wasn't really two-face yeah
1: yeah yeah so okay <laughs> two-face has these twin barreled antimatter guns Kralik throws Two Face off balance by pounding the ground, but actually the Kral- the, the Two Face that Kralik has thrown off off balance and punched is, is a-
0: his robot double. <laughs> it's a robot. You didn't think he had a robot double, but he did. Just- How did Batman Two Face get access to Two Face's robot double? <sighs> when he called the henchman, he was like, "Hey." And they were like, oh, hey, boss. Yeah, we're down for another round of mayhem in Gotham City. Uh, you want us to bring your robot double? And he's like, oh, heck yeah. Bring that <laughs> De- boy to the party. Definitely.
1: Hello? Yes? Intercrime? I, I imagine it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the Kirby television series. No. Okay. In the Kirby television series, King DDD has like, uh, there's like a-, a service that supplies him with monsters that he like buys. Okay. I imagine it's like that where... Two-Face calls up, like, the head of intercrime mm-hmm. and is like... And now
0: he's got all Bruce Wayne's money, so he can do whatever he wants. Yeah,
1: he has Bruce Wayne's credit. He's got the back credit card. He's
0: got the back credit card, absolutely. Put that on the back credit
1: card. <laughs> uh, I, I imagine it's sort of a deal where he calls up intercrime and goes, Yes, I'd like uh, one double-barreled tank, uh, three henchmen, uh, a couple of antimatter guns, and uh, a, a, oh, gi- a, giant, double. a giant robot fist. <laughs>
0: I love it. Oh, my goodness. The helicopters say rooter crime.
1: Oh, really? So you know they're evil. They're yeah, double-rotored they're double they're helicopters that he's flying in. Yeah, the real Two-Face is flying in helicopters. He's shooting force rays mm-hmm. at Kralik, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know what the science behind that is. Um, Kralik melts a sidewalk grate into a mirror to deflect the force ray blasts, <laughs> which causes Two-Face to retreat. Uh, they decide that they can't stay in the air because Kralik will find them easily, so they have to land, and they just happen to land at the at Dr. Aaron's lab, which is on a mountaintop. And they take the doctor captive, but allow him to live after consulting the coin. Mm-hmm. So the coin lands unscarred face side up, and he decides to let him live. <sighs> I love this. There's a lot. There's a lot here.
0: This is a pretty dense couple of panels coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowlek bursts through the lab, and a brawl ensues, which is brought to an abrupt end when Composite Superman lays Crowlek out. Like, gives him, like, a big punch to the face. Okay. I want to go over who Composite Superman is, because I looked this up.
0: Wait, before you do that, something pretty important in the plot that we didn't mention. Okay. Dr. Aaron was knocked out, and somebody gave him some water.
1: Yeah. Oh, is that that said earlier? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Composite Superman is half Superman, half Batman. Uh, He's a shapeshifter. He shows up earlier in the Silver Age. He's a shapeshifter with the powers of the Legion of Superheroes, which is kind of like the Teen Titans, I think. Um he lived as a villain, he was like a guy who worked as a janitor, and then got mad at at like the Justice League, and he gained powers, and then he used them to try and kill Batman and Superman like twice, and then uh, eventually he lost his superpowers while he was trying to kill Superman and Batman, and felt bad about it and jumped in the way of like a laser beam that was gonna kill the two.
0: Okay.
1: And died. Okay. So Composite Superman is dead as of this comic. Okay. Which is mentioned. I just thought it was worth mentioning that a a half Superman, half Batman character had shown up in the comics before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which they may they make reference to. Um yeah, so the, the battle stops. Um, when the two, when Batman and Superman wake up, uh, changed out of their costumes. I don't think it explains how they've how changed.
0: How Robin dressed them while he, while they were asleep. Yeah. Robin's there too.
1: Yeah. Robin, uh, came out of the closet
0: mm-hmm. where he was, <laughs> Good for him.
1: where he was being kept yes. by Dr. Aaron. <laughs> um, so he explains what happened, you know, that they had been changing, uh and and what and the like composite superman had knocked them out um composite superman explains that he's not actually composite superman because mm-hmm. he's dead because composite superman's dead he's actually Dr. Aaron who was revived by the Intergang members with the Jekyll Hyde formula because mm-hmm. they thought it was water mm-hmm. they thought they were going to give him water to revive him but they gave him the Jekyll Hyde formula um <laughs> He fears both Batman and Superman equally, and that's why he turned into a half-Batman, half-Superman. He made the costume. Oh, yeah. He made the costume out of scraps he found.
0: At super speed.
1: Wait, at super speed?
0: Yeah. He said, I whipped up this costume with super speed using some scrap material. So
1: did he gain Batman and Superman's powers? Yeah. From the Jekyll Hyde formula?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it's even... In, it's intense.
1: Is it the... I guess it's the super hormones. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> this is really crazy.
0: Yes. And it's going to get a little bit crazier.
1: So the duo... The duo fear that when he changes back, he'll spill the beans about Batman's identity. Because he knows where the Batcave is, because he he spiked to the Batcave's water with this Jekyll Hyde formula. Mm-hmm. But, Dr. Aaron says, you needn't worry. The reaction of the Jekyll Hyde formula that was given to me, reacting with, like, the dual personality thing that he's got going on, is going to leave him a raving lunatic, so mm-hmm. no one will believe him.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: and it's that's...
0: A, a bit of a twist ending.
1: A bit of a downer ending, really.
0: Absolutely, This yes. guy
1: is going to end up in an insane asylum. mm mm-hmm. uh,
0: But at least he can't hurt anybody anymore. He is a pretty bad guy.
1: Yeah, that's true. He was doing like unsanctioned experiments on humans. On on humans. Yeah. He's basically doing like what Scarecrow did.
0: Yeah. So he belongs in Arkham with
1: Scarecrow. Oh, wow. What what a trip. What, what a wild ride. What a
0: what a what a life we've lived. <laughs> um all right. So the <laughs> moral of the story.
1: Yeah, what's the moral of the story, please?
0: Don't tell anyone your greatest fears. <laughs>
1: That's true, because like, what is anybody gonna do with your greatest fears other than use them against you? Exactly. My my moral of the story uh, is if you find out somebody's secret identity, write it in a letter, send it to someone else. Exactly. Just like, uh, um, what's his face? Watchmen. Rorschach. Yeah, Rorschach does.
0: Oh. Well, no, because everybody already knows everybody's secret identity by that point.
1: Well, nobody knows that...
0: Nobody knows that Adrian's evil. Yeah. Until he's like, ooh, I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> Although at that point, when he sends his journal off, he doesn't have any concrete proof. He's just like, I'm pretty sure Adrian's evil. He's like, "Peace." stuff Dan and together. I are going to go check.
1: He's, he's piece stuff together. Yeah.
0: Well, I leave the future entirely in your hands. As Watchmen says.
1: Okay. Yeah, I... That, that was a real trip of a comic. That was a lot to lot to get through, a lot of twists. Yeah. Um, anything else we have to say about this comic? Yeah,
0: uh, I liked it. I liked that it did bring in Two-Face when he hadn't been seen in many, many years. Yeah. It, he seems a little shoehorned in there, but I don't mind it. I don't believe this comic that Two-Face is really Batman's greatest fear. Because <laughs> it seems like every time he fights Two-Face, he's does a pretty good job of handling Yeah, he's a a guy who's More of a
1: nuisance, really.
0: He's just like, ah, I hate it. He's sometimes good and I never know what he's gonna be. It's like, okay, if he's sometimes good and sometimes evil, then he's evil. People aren't like, if you are like a genuinely good, generally good person who also does evil things, then you should be locked away for that. (laughs) You should be in jail.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you always see or that. Or a mental institution. You always see that with like the people, like the people who always turn out to be like serial killers or mass murderers. That people yeah. are always like, like Ted. Oh, he was, he was like, such a nice guy. He was so quiet. Yeah. <laughs> like...
0: like Ted Bundy, people thought he was like, oh, he's such a great guy, he's so upstanding. Even his his like judge at his trial was like, listen, I would have loved to be your friend. I am, however, going to sentence you to death. So good on him.
1: <sighs> yeah, this is crazy, I and mean, they they like they don't. They don't address a lot of stuff in this comic, and they also, I don't think, as far as I know, ever bring back this Jekyll Hyde formula, mm-hmm. which could have incredible uh, applications yeah. for, especially for the villain. Mm-hmm. <sighs> ah.
0: Well, it seems like if a villain takes it, they just turn into a superhero, and then they want to act good, I guess. Yeah. He decided to act good. That's true. It didn't just make him look, it doesn't just make you look like your greatest fear, it makes you act like them too. Yeah. Which is wild.
1: Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that was Batmates. That was Batmates. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us, batmatespodcast at com.
0: Yeah. We really want to grow the audience for the show, so please tell your friends about us. Share us on your social medias. We're going to try to put some posters up, so we'll see <laughs> yeah. how that goes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, our logo was created by Savannah Storm. You can find her on Instagram at s. And our theme song was composed by Ben Dean. You can find him at tinyurl.com slash B-E-N-D-E-A-N-E. And that's it till next time. Yep. Next week is Backwards Day. That's true. Woo. So wait for that one. <laughs> See ya. Bye.